Hello, and welcome once again to The Trigger Warning. Here on Queer Pressure Podcast, we like to put up any topics that might be upsetting right at the front of the episode so you can decide if this is an episode you want to listen to or not. The following episode contains mentions of queer coding, queer baiting, homophobia, and some mentions to incestuous pairings. If you're not up for listening to any of these topics today, go ahead and sit this episode out. If not, thank you for listening. Buh, leave it. Hi, everybody. My name is Maddie Gray. And I'm Katherine Johnson of the Leaf Village, and you're listening to Queer Pressure Podcast. We are so glad you've decided to join us. And if you're new, sit for a spell. We want to talk about queerness. Caught me off guard with that one. That that deviated from the script. Queer Pressure is a critical exploration of queerness in media as a continued radical act of self-love. So, so very radical to love yourself as a queer person in this world. Just a friendly reminder that Black lives still matter, y'all. Things are still going down. Like, we don't have justice. We need justice. And although we're not doing strictly Black media anymore, we here at Queer Pressure, we stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and we commit to using our platform to lift up Black queer art and use our privilege as white women to fight white supremacy on and off the air. An apology for our current vibe. <laughs> yeah, we're really, really pumped. Can you tell? I know we sound we sound either high or drunk and we're neither. It was we're just neither. that we always listen to a song to pump us up before we go. <laughs> we decided to listen to Fighting Dreamers Go from Naruto and it pumped us up way too much. Way too much. I feel like I'm like over caffeinated even though I've only had two cups of coffee. Yeah, like I need to I need to go fight for my dreams fighting dreamer what are you drinking oh god i'm not drinking anything interesting this morning i'm just having a nice cup of coffee me too we're probably gonna have to rethink that it's always what we do in the morning is ask what you're drinking but we recently decided we weren't gonna drink alcohol anymore so it's always yeah. just coffee it's, <laughs> so maybe we'll it's always coffee and sometimes like lacroix <laughs> yeah some water something where it used to be like i'm making a mimosa but Catherine, what yeah. are we doing this week Naruto! Naruto! Sasuke! Uh, we are doing the legendary shonen anime slash manga Naruto, which has spawned the original series, then uh, Naruto Shippuden, and now currently Boruto, the next generation, which is about Naruto's son, who looks just like him. I don't know, there's probably like 5,000 chapters, 70,000 episodes, something like that. Far too many far too many. Madison and I used to have a podcast called Grow Up with one of our friends, Robin. In fact, if you want to listen to it, it's Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast for nostalgic millennials. Just saying. Yeah. And we used to watch shows that we watched when we were kids. And this is where we originally did Anime Month. And we loved it so much that we carried it over to this podcast. And we did a Naruto episode back in the day. And I wanted, I was re-listening to it and I wanted to play a little piece from it to show why we are doing it on this podcast. Oh God, please. I haven't heard this. This is new for me. So when we were choosing the four anime we would watch during anime month, we included Oran High School Host Club, which mm -hmm. stars a girl dressed as a boy, sometimes using male pronouns. Never in my life did I think that I would wonder which of these four was the gayest and it would be a question 
when Oron was included, and I have to say Oron is like the third least gay. <laughs> you think Oron's the third least gay? Wait, absolutely. Hold on, let me break this apart. We just talked about Death Note, which is definitely one of Death the Note things. is super gay, and I'd say I venture to guess that Naruto's even gayer. I don't know. Like that's what's keeping me up at night. I was yeah. like, how the fuck am I stuck on? Wait, which of these is gayer, Death Note or Naruto? Okay, so that is why we decided to discuss this again. That uh, we were just struck by the amount of homosexuality uh, in the themes of Naruto. Quite, quite. Even though none of it is explicit. So what is Naruto? Naruto is a Japanese manga uh, written and illustrated by Masashi Kishimoto about a young ninja, Naruto Uzumaki, who dreams of becoming the leader of his village and earning the respect and recognition of his peers. So this series is based on two one-shot manga, Karakuri, which was uh, published in 1995, and Naruto, which was published in 1997. It was then serialized by Shonen Jump from 1999 to 2014, and then the manga was adapted into an anime television series that broadcast 220 episodes. And how many of them are filler? Oh, yeah, most of them are filler. (laughs) From 2002 to 2007. The English adaptation was then broadcast on Cartoon Network from 2005 to 2009. The anime was directed by Hayato Date and written by Katsuyuki Sumisawa and Junki Takigami. Naruto Shippuden, which is the sequel to the original series, went on for 500 (laughs) episodes. Why? For 10 <laughs> years. They certainly cannot have enough to say. There's no, no way surely that not. they had an, enough of a story to go on for 500 episodes. One of the characteriz- uh, uh, one of the main characteristics of this show is that they do have a fuck ton of filler. Um, Naruto is actually the fourth best-selling an- uh, manga series in history. It's only the fourth? Mm-hmm. I guess One Piece. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know about the other two. Uh, selling more than 250 million copies worldwide in 46 countries. The English translations have shown up on USA Today and New York Best Times bestseller list several times. And the seventh volume won a Quill Award in 2006. Seventh out of, you know, 400,000 volumes. Yeah. Catherine, what is this show about? Yo, yo, yo. Uh, so obviously it's about Naruto, the eponymous young boy ninja who is an outcast in his ninja village, which is the village hidden in the leaves, because he has an evil demon that was put inside his belly button. And he doesn't, but he doesn't know that at the beginning. Um, The beginning is him finding out that that's why nobody likes him. He's an orphan. He is loud and obnoxious and uh, everyone hates him, but it's mostly because he's never had any attention. And um, very early on in the series, he becomes a, a ninja student with his headband and he joins, what are they, Team 7? Team 7, yep. Yeah, uh, and he joins a ninja team with their sensei Kakashi, uh, who is the leader of their team, and two other members who are his peers, Sakura and Sasuke! And uh, in the original Naruto series, it's their group 
they they're assigned like low level tasks that they finish for the village and they usually end up being far more high level than they should be hijinks you know that sort of thing and the original naruto series ends with sasuke deciding to leave to go join the bad guys and uh (gasps) shippuden picks up what is it two years later three years later something like that a few years later with our characters as teenagers continuing their ninja training. Uh, Naruto leaves for a while to get some independent training, but he returns and they continue the search for Sasuke to bring him back into the fold of the good ninjas. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of Shippuden, spoiler alert, Sasuke does come back into the fold 500 episodes later. And killing his brother. (laughs) (laughs) And now the, the third version of the series, Boruto picks up with, naruto's son who's around the same age as he was in the original series and all of our original characters are now adults and married to one another that doesn't sound very gay Catherine. <laughs> you're right <laughs> you sure don't uh except for so this this anime falls into a very very common trope in shonen anime and manga which is the the presence of having a rival relationship as kind of the emotional crux of the story, which is Naruto versus Sasuke. Sasuke is a dumb, angsty, emo loser boy who I hate, but he's supposed to be like cool. All the girls are really into him, but he's troubled by the fact that his brother killed their entire family. And Sasuke is, you know, a dumb savant. He's too good at ninja stuff and he whines. He's the worst. And he is rivals with Naruto, who is pretty much his opposite. But they get very, very, very close. And um, one of the big differences in their rival relationship than most others is that they kiss in episode three. Oopsie. Whoops. Which is a great segue into our usual segment, The Bad. The Bad. So at the top of every episode, we like to do this thing where we take the bad of a piece of media, the thing that's like, oh, geez, why'd you do that? And we call it out, and then set it aside so that we can look at the work for its good qualities. Am I right? But you might be wondering, Naruto is not a particularly gay story. Or is it? Are we talking just problematic in the queer realm or just Naruto is a fucking whole? (laughs) I was thinking in the queer realm, but I want to know what as a whole you're feeling. Let's say the queer realm first. (laughs) I mean, textbook queer baiting textbook Mm -hmm. queer coding of villains and we'll get into that a little bit more with more detail but now i want to know overall what are what are your bad problematic things i mean just off the top of my head terribly written female characters correct heinously written female characters they're just correct annoying accessories to the boys there's a lot of objectification of women like right Mm. from the beginning you have jiraiya is just the worst person he's the pervy sage but he's so terrible so yeah i would say a lot of inappropriate perversion and and not treating the women well yeah there's a lot of problematic arenas in this story unfortunately i think that would also be said of anything else that was contemporaneous shown in anime not saying that like that excuses this in any way i'm saying that's Mm -mm. very common totally Uh, a lot of fan service that sort of thing but it does have a whole heck ton of gay subtext. Sure do. So let's talk about queer baiting first, shall we? Sure. 
We've never done that before. We've never done that. And uh, if you are new here, I'm just going to define queerbaiting for you. Queerbaiting is a marketing technique where creators hint at but then do not actually depict same-sex romance or other LGBT representation. They do this so that they can bait queer people and, you know, more progressive listeners and viewers and straight allies to join their audience while avoiding alienation of people who are not so progressive if we yeah. can say that. And I would say the queer sunflowers eating. So sorry if there's <laughs> munching in the background. That's my cat. And the queer baiting in this case, because Yaoi, which is male, male attraction in anime and manga, otherwise known as boy love, uh, it's a little different than the queer baiting we usually see in the US. But in this case, the queer baiting wouldn't be to try and hook queer viewers, I think, at all. No, um, probably in, not. In the Japanese context and american viewers of japanese media it's largely heterosexual women that are drawn to these queer relationships in anime and manga and there is a surprisingly large female readership and viewership of naruto myself included when i was in middle school and i all of my female friends read naruto i had this huge group of friends that we all read anime and we were all girls and I, I didn't think about that until I was reading everything and it said there's female, a large female faction of Naruto fans. And I was like, really? And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. We were all girls. <laughs> I, I dressed as a Kakashi sensei to school one time. <laughs> That's awesome. It's not awesome. It's really stupid. No, I love Kakashi sensei. He's pretty He's cool. He's pretty cool. But the gay subtext here, the main point of gay subtext in Naruto is between Naruto and Sasuke. And let me explain why. Although romance is an important piece of many works, bonds of friendship between same-sex people in some fiction tend to be some of the most significant relationships depicted. One of the common methods of playing with these close relationships is to portray them similarly to romantic relationships. So although the characters may not feel anything sexual for one another, we get this juxtaposition of, you know, tropes like, you know, squabbling married couple and things like that. A lot of the time it's played for laughs, especially between male characters, often played uh, for fan service, especially for intended demographics that are opposite of the gender of the characters, and played for drama, using romantic tropes to heighten the strength of a friendship or a relationship. And gay subtext doesn't always actually mean the characters are gay. Creators often just use this subtext to attract viewers and emphasize a bond between characters as like more than friends, but not quite like romance. But there's certainly a hint of soulmate-ery to Naruto and Sasuke. Like that is the main vein of this whole million episode thing is the relationship between Naruto and Sasuke. Right. Before we get any further... We'll get back to that topic, but I'm going to insert myself for some tomfoolery really quick. Oh, I love tomfoolery. We'll come back to you, Naruto and Sasuke. For those who listened to our Avatar Last Airbender episode, I introduced a game called The Great Game, in which I chose 28 characters. Today, I chose 28 characters from Naruto, and I gave them all codenames that did not have any clue as to who they might actually be and i made madison create pairings 
based off of these random words. Just like whatever words sounded good together. And then I put them into a bracket. And so today we are going to decide which randomly generated pairing is superior. But Madison still is not going to know what the not pairing until is. We're, we're still going to be using these reveal code them, names. Yeah. Not until they're eliminated. So uh, let's begin round one of the great game. We're going to start with our bottom three brackets. Madison, mm -hmm. between the pairing Stinky Socks and Vitamin C Alarm Clock, who wins? Stinky Socks. Our next two pairings, let's give up Halloween Town and Plate of Candle Wax. Who who wins? Giving up Halloween Town. All right, and now our last one of this first round. Most honorable, how dare you, versus Waffle Pizza. Who wins? Ooh. Waffle Pizza. That's the end of round one. Would you like to know who we've said goodbye to in this round? Yes, yes I would. Our first round of eliminations, pairings that will be going home tonight. First, Zabuza slash Neji. No! Second, Hokage Saratobi slash Kabuto. No! You'll remember is that white-haired gentleman who <laughs> snuck into the tuning exams for Orochimaru. <laughs> and we obviously, I, as a disclaimer, we're doing this in an alternate universe where in some way these character these characters can all be of yes, age. Correct. They have to be. To consent to one another's companionship. Okay. Um, and last and certainly least, we are saying goodbye to Rock Lee slash Kodahamaru, who is the annoying nephew of the Hokage. Oh my. Certainly oh my. least. I'm all glad right. that that one's out. I love Rock Lee too, but I don't want him to be with that guy. Probably my favorite character. Yeah, I don't want him with Konohamaru. Okay, anyways, back to the show. What a great interjection that was. So, let's talk about the gay subtext between Sasuke and Naruto. You mentioned the kiss. That is something that happens episode three. The boys are fighting and they accidentally kiss. Now, this is played for laughs, but like, is textbook definition of queer subtext yes <laughs> um the author has gone on record saying several things about this kiss because it's infamous that um his idea was to just get it out of the way early because he knew people would be shipping these two rivals together he's also mentioned he doesn't believe there's any series that's had rivals kiss before so it's not totally clear why he did this but the kiss comes up a lot mm -hmm. in naruto's like naruto's memories they they think back on it like anytime one of them thinks the other's about to die <laughs> one of the like one of the late seasons opening sequence has just kind of an amv to their relationship halfway through like it's just a bunch of sweet memories of naruto and sasuke and i believe the kiss <laughs> is shown in that part jeez it's stupidly gay. It's extremely gay. But again, they're not romantic rivals. They're just stupid straight boys. I like the I, I like what you just said there. Romantic rivals. <laughs> Enemies to lovers, in fact. Well, I like the insinuation of romantic rivals. We love each other, but we are also trying to be better than the other person. Yes, that is true. You know, like it's not enemies to lovers. It's enemies and enemies lovers. Enemies and lovers. 
I'd watch that. Yeah, me too. We also see Naruto do this weird, <laughs> sexy jutsu thing. Ugh, I, I know, me too. But it's like this technique that Naruto invents to distract male combatants in which the user who does the sexy jutsu turns into like this very conventionally attractive woman with like wide hips and big breasts and a skinny waist who's completely naked and no clothes, obviously. Noise. Again, this is all almost always played for laughs in the show, but again, textbook queer subtext of Naruto trying to attract men. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You didn't? It's extremely <laughs> gay. I was like, how is this gay? It's like a heterosexual... No, he's trying to attract men. I never thought about that. <laughs> and then my biggest piece of uh, subtextual queerness for Naruto and Sasuke is the whole I'll die with you moment. And in this moment where um I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is when Sasuke decides he's going to leave Team 7 and join Orochimaru, the villain, when Naruto like basically screams at him, "If you attack the hidden leaf, I'll have no choice. I will fight you. Don't doubt that. Until that day, save your hatred." Then you can throw all of it right at me. I'm the only one who can handle all that hate. Do you understand? I'm the only one who can fulfill that duty. So I'll bear the burden of your hatred. And I'll die with you. Because you're my friend. And this is not a moment that is played up for laughter. Like, this is a moment that's played up for drama to emphasize their bond. These boys are so tied to each other's destinies. Like, they're just so drawn to each other. Like, there's no denying that there is extreme queer subtext there. So we don't do episodes like this very often. We usually do actual queer media, right? Rather right. than queer coding in popular media. But these are kind of very fun episodes to do every once in a while. Because there's always something very interesting going on in the fandom side of it, the mm -hmm. <laughs> most bizarre episode we had was the Sherlock episode talking about the John Locke conspiracy. So I was looking into the fandom side of Naruto slash Sasuke. And Sasuke. what I am continually astounded by is how every fandom has its problems and they all seem to be very different every time. Oh, for sure. There was a flame war, a fandom war within Naruto and Sasuke, which there is usually in every fandom, but this one was a little different. And it was entirely about who tops and who bottoms oh, in this geez. ship. I have in the past talked about my distaste for arguing about who tops and who's who bottoms. I think this is inappropriate, even about fictional couples. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a weird thing to argue about. Ship all you want, but we shouldn't get this invested in something that's honestly like a little rude to stereotype people as tops and bottoms if someone right. wants to self-identify as that that's fine but we shouldn't just apply these labels to people especially because so many people are like verse and like yeah. it's not always like a set in stone dynamic it's almost never a set in stone dynamic and as f members of fandoms and shippers we walk a fine line of using fandom as a way to find catharsis when 
the things we want to see represented in media is not represented. That's the good part of fandom. The bad part is fetishization. So we walk a fine line and arguing about tops and bottoms squarely falls on the fetishization side of it. So anyways, the ship name for Naruto and Sasuke, why I keep saying Naruto slash Sasuke is because that there's not today everyone says Sasunaru for the most part. But there was not a consensus back in the mid-knots about whether it's Naru Sasu or Sasu Naru because the order of that implies who is the Seimei and the Uki, which is oh I talked about in our Yaoi episode for Yuri on Ice, um, is basically top or bottom. Is basically... The dom and the sub, yeah. Absolute disaster versus sweater boy. With Naru Sasu, that's Naruto tops and Sasuke bottoms. Sasu Naru, Sasuke tops, Naruto bottoms, which sounds like, okay, it's your preference or whatever, but this became apparently very heated and it's known as like the big (laughs) divide. And um, it's why it's hard to archive a lot of Tumblr posts from this time because they were divided between these two, but not always correctly sometimes people just said sasunaru because that seemed like it was the term but they didn't realize that things were split and there was (laughs) a lot of hate being thrown back and forth how dare you not believe that sasuke tops or naruto tops and this also happened in sherlock just to give you an idea of how angry people can get about this in um the group known as TJLC, the John Locke conspiracy, mm-hmm. they went on to accuse people who believe that Sherlock topped of being pedophiles. <laughs> Which totally doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, I did follow the train of thought. There is like some steps there, but it, that is very radical thinking. But that's how deep people get into this is that people would show up at conventions and accuse other people of being pedophiles because of who they believed topped. That's and that absurd. you're not a true fan unless you believe what I believe. Now it's mostly known as Sasunaru. Whatever you wilt. Who cares? <laughs> Call it whatever you want. Does that um, mean that the consensus became that Sasuke was? No. They no. decided to just stop dividing things based on who tops and who bottoms. Because I, what a I al- mature decision. Um, I'm sure this might exist elsewhere, but amongst all of the big fandoms and the big slash ships, I don't know of anything else that had a divide on what we call it based on whose PP goes where. Wow, man! I just so being a part of so many fandoms as you know, a young person. Like, it's so wild to hear how toxic it got because I never got there on any fandom. I also just thought it's really interesting how ship names have been streamlined. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) where it's just kind of a given on a lot of these. But back in the day when this was, I still guess, new and things were on, like, Tumblr and fanfiction.net, there was not a clear consensus of, like, how do we name these people? I remember, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan is still hard to find stuff because no one could agree what they're called. Is it Annie-Obi? Is it Obi-Annie? Is it Anawan? Is it yeah. Obakin? <laughs> you know? Because they all sound great. For instance, with Yuri on Ice, it's very well known that that's called uh, Victory. Victor Yuri, because it also sounds like Victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just far more streamlined. And it's so funny that that is the thing that is known as like their great divide. <laughs> that is so funny. Was what do we call it? And on that note, on the note of ship names, 
How about we have another round of the great game? Oh yes, the great game. All Give right. It to me, I want to choose more pairings. Our next bracket, so this is three more that we haven't heard yet. This is still like the first round. So our first bracket. We've got Orange LaCroix Perfume versus Bedtime Angst. Ooh, those are both really good. Yeah, it's gonna be Orange LaCroix Perfume. Oh, I thought Bedtime Angst, okay. I mean, I don't know. I just imagine spraying Orange LaCroix Perfume on me and it's- I would um, wear it. Delightful. Yeah, I would wear it, yes. Okay, next we've got Red Bull Skin Treatment versus Steve Flounder. <laughs> I want the Red Bull skin treatment. I'm not going to think about that one too much. A lot of these are named for things that were near me when I was sitting down doing this, yes, such as good. the Orange LaCroix and uh, Red Bull. Next, big steaming glass of milky mac and cheese versus I don't want to water my plants with Clorox. See, you, you gave me so many openings to pair them in such fun ways that this is getting hard. Sorry. Um, this is getting hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the great yeah, game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna go with steaming hot glass of milky mac and cheese because it's so gross. So our three winners that time, Orange LaCroix perfume, Red Bull skin treatments, and big steaming glass of milky mac and cheese. Would you like to hear who we've eliminated this round? I would love to. We, this round, said goodbye to Hinata slash Kakashi. Gross. No. <laughs> Gross. No, I don't want that. I don't like that one. I'm glad it's gone. This one's a little bit of a bummer. We've said goodbye to Itachi slash the nine-tailed fox. Dang it. I really thought that they would make it. Um, and <laughs> really thought they had the endurance to go all the way. <laughs> and... Uh, and last and certainly least, we were saying goodbye to Ten Ten slash Kiba. Mm. Not and but hurt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, back to the show. To the podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast within a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, while we're still on the topic of fandoms, we talked a little bit at the beginning of this that there's some really bad representation of women in this show. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah. Our main two girls for a very long time in the beginning are Ino and Sakura. The first, you know, like 100 episodes of the show gives everyone a chance to tell us their tragic backstory. Yes. And the tragic and everything's very interesting. You know, we have Hinata as well, and hers is pretty interesting, but certainly the most screen time is given to Sakura and Ino, and their tragic backstory is that they were once best friends, but then they both got crushes on Sasuke, and they haven't been friends since, versus people like Naruto, who's grown up as an orphan because he has a demon in his stomach, and Sasuke, (laughs) who's also an orphan because his entire family was killed by his brother, and, you know, like, really interesting backstories, and theirs was that their friendship unraveled because they both had crushes on Sasuke. They both like the same boy, so mm-hmm. they have to be enemies now. And one of the problematic parts of this, I I was reading, to my delight, I was reading somebody's thesis, which was about fan fiction. Yes. And I actually yes. found on Google Scholar a lot of theses about fan fiction. And I went, how do I become part of this? Like someone said, like, you know, as, you know, the dissertation on my fan fiction studies. And I was like, how do I go into this? Yeah, what? 
arena of study is this? Yes. I was is like, this I literature? Want to... Is it psychology? I know. I was Could like, I want to be a fan fiction studies major. And I was like, oh, you probably have to be something else of interest and then focus on fanfiction. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> probably have to be like a philosophy or psychology major and then go into fan fiction. But there was a lot of talk about Sakura and the way that a lot of these female fans who do write fan fiction ended up hating her. There are fan fictions that are just devoted to like Sasuke and Naruto killing Sakura for fun where say something like this is just a one shot for fun let's all enjoy killing Sakura and there was just a lot of hate because she was seen as just an adversary to the Naruto Sasuke relationship because she had a crush on Sasuke Naruto had a crush on her and she really doesn't have a ton of development she does like there's the her cutting her hair so she becomes a better ninja thing but, you know, but she's... that's just, like, shedding a layer of her femininity yeah, for the sake of her ninja way. And, and I remember when we watched all of it for our old podcast that it struck me how often when there was an emergency and they would put together a team, it would only be the guys. Like, they wouldn't include, yeah. like, Sakura as, like, a main player. And she does eventually become a healer. I believe Ino does as well, which is just obnoxious. Like, obviously, that's important. And, and Tsunade, who's one of our strongest females who comes in later and ends up becoming Hokage, the, like, main ninja president, um, is also a healer. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's it really obnoxious. rings true of like, you know, how in Avatar the Last Airbender, Sakura or excuse me. Katara was told by the Northern Water Tribe that she had to be a healer and she couldn't be a fighter. But and then she overcomes that, which now has made me realize how subversive that is. Yes. In Avatar. Um, this actually comes to a point where, like, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos about Naruto this week. For business or pleasure? Both. Why not? <laughs> but I came across a lot of people just, like, discounting Sakura's story altogether. Or, in one instance, the YouTube creator kept referring to her as useless. That He didn't even name her. He just called her useless. That's obnoxious. <laughs> And he'd be like, so then Useless comes in and does this. And then there was only one point where he actually was like, she deserved her name in this moment. Oh, my God. That's so yeah. fucking rude. That's I our know. main female character. But like, that's how the show treats her. So, of course, that's how the audience treats her. Yeah. Going forward with Sakura's character, another reason why a lot of people really lean into the ship of Naruto and Sasuke is because of the lack of any romantic interest outside of each other. <laughs> yeah, know? really. In in Boruto, everyone's gotten married and started having kids, and Sasuke ends up marrying Sakura, and Naruto ends up marrying Hinata, who had a crush on him for forever, so like that's cute and everything. But there isn't any establishment of their relationships until like the very, very end of Shippuden. Like, they have 500 episodes. And apparently only like 10 chapters before Naruto or uh, Sasuke decides to marry Sakura, he has told her, you know, he's never loved her. So there's never anything. And it's the very, very, very end before Naruto and Hinata have anything happen between them. Mm -hmm. And then in Boruto, we see that like Sasuke and Sakura's relationship is pretty loveless. Like she's, she loves him, <laughs> but he disappears for years at a time and definitely seems to be a lot closer to Naruto than he is to his own wife. Just, it's just ridiculous. 
but whatever. Completely, completely ridiculous. I really wanted Sakura to end up with Rock Lee. <laughs> I thought that was a fantastic ship. But, well, somebody oh, well. who actually respects her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love Rock Lee. And I love Sakura. I know no one else does, but... I mean, I like Sakura because I feel like she was so mistreated by the writers and yeah. by the fandom. I always liked her. I don't know why. Even when I was young. I didn't watch it as much when I was young. So my brother watched the show a lot and he didn't like Sakura. But whenever he would have it on and I wasn't like necessarily paying attention, I was like, I like the girl one. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, the you're the boys. The boys are cool. And I was like, okay. Boys. Um, but another interesting part about that, because I mean, I was always into Sakura because I always identified with female characters and yeah. as a kid. And I know some people it was you have told me like you have issues with poorly written female characters yes where i and not to say like oh i'm better than you or anything like but like i somehow overlooked everything just so that i could have a female character to identify with oh that's so interesting because i approached it from the complete opposite side where i was like i hate them because they're poorly written and now like as an adult and talking on this podcast with you i have so much more compassion and grace for these characters who were poorly written and deserved a lot better Mm -hmm. yeah well i think that's like their design is that they want you to feel that way because they're so poorly written but i somehow just always like sidestepped (laughs) that and was like well no i really feel that they're this way and like focused on the points that i thought that they were stronger like like padme i remember was a big deal because like she just shits out in the third movie because yeah. she's just pregnant and crying the whole time. And I always just kind of like cast that aside. I'm like, yeah, but she kicked ass in one and two. So who gives a fuck? Padme and also in Clone Wars. Damn. Yeah. But something, another interesting thing I came across is for those of those, you know, fandom members who did cast Sakura aside and focus mainly on these male characters, that's actually a very powerful act of subversion as a young person to decide to identify with the male characters, which I never did. I always like did everything I could to just try and identify with the female characters. But mm-hmm. that's actually playing around with gender identity at a young age, which I had never thought about before. Yeah, I'm kind of into that. All these female readers found just as much to um, identify with in male characters as the men did, which I never got over that hurdle. Like, I still only right. thought that I could identify with the female characters. Um, so so that is very interesting that they were like, it's not just for the boys to decide which ninja they want to be. And I think that, like, that subversion is super cool for the people who were able to do that. But for the ones who weren't, like you, like, I feel like the representation is bad. Absolutely. Before we move away from the topic of fandom... Another uh, topic of note is that Sasunaru is the most popular slash ship in Naruto in the U.S. But strangely <laughs> enough, uh, the most popular slash ship in Japan is Iruka slash Kakashi. Which I love. I love that. But that's so odd that that's number one. I know. Very quickly, we're coming back to America's favorite game real quickly. This is the great game. The great game. Of Naruto. We are now left with eight ships. Okay, give them to me. We've got elderly turtle versus stinky socks. Who do you choose? easy one. I'm not choosing Mitch McConnell. I'm choosing Stinky Socks. All right. And we've got Let's Give Up Halloween Town versus Waffle Pizza. Waffle Pizza. Final answer. We've got 
many leaves in a mason jar versus orange LaCroix perfume. You know, I'm gonna mix it up. Many leaves in a mason jar. And Red Bull skin treatment versus big steaming glass of milky mac and cheese. Oh, you know it's gotta be the big, big steamy glass. glass of milky mac and cheese. The alliteration of that is just so just good. so disgusting. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're it's down like to our final moist. four. Final four. Would you like to hear who we've said goodbye to in this I last would. round? Bye bye. In this round, we've said goodbye to Haku slash Kenkuro. Ken Kenkuro. That was one of Gara's his brother. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, I'm not so super not upset it, about that it, because yeah. uh, Haku did die early yeah, on. Yeah, that's so. true. Another not as interesting. We've said goodbye to Tamari slash Shino. Well, you know, that's yeah. Speaking of women who weren't very developed, and we've also said goodbye to Eno slash Jiraiya. Perhaps wow. the most um, upsetting coupling I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> And last and certainly least. Oh boy. We said goodbye to Shikamaru slash Gara of the Sand. Oh boy. That okay. one's not bad. I mean, I can get behind it. Back to the show. And let's get into queer coding. Oh boy. So we've talked about queer coding on this show a lot as well. For anybody new joining us, queer coding is a subtextual portrayal of a queer character whose identity is never explicitly confirmed and often ties into the sissy villain trope which is in which a character who is queer is often portrayed as an adversary to the character that you're supposed to identify with going back in history where they think this kind of started because at least in america we had something called the Hayes code which Mm -hmm. would not allow things that were seen as naughty on tv and in movies and radio plays and um, so to the word per- they used was a uh, perverse perversions. Yes. Um, the only time you could really show any queer character, it had to be it couldn't be explicit, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also had to show that they were receiving comeuppance for their perversions in this way. When a queer coded villain was vanquished, part of you was applauding for, you know, the, the villain going down. But another part of you was rejoicing that a gay character was getting destroyed and this has carried on because it was so well so often used it's become a trope that a lot of people don't even identify as like oh this is what i'm doing is that i'm queer coding a character but it's still very common to this day it's also extremely convenient to villainize queerness continuing to villainize queerness after things like the haze code go away when we're suddenly allowed to show queer characters who aren't the bad guy who aren't getting comeuppance for being queer and so it's interesting that things like that transcend just u.s media that this also shows up very heavily in things like naruto Mm -hmm, for sure and for example (laughs) we have a couple of characters who present themselves as adversaries to naruto and sasuke as well sometimes Mm-hmm. in Haku and Zabuza, the first kind of bad guys that we face in this show. First major villains. Major bad guys, yeah. yeah. So first we have Haku, who is this femme-presenting boy working in service of Zabuza, who is this, like, Jonin-level rogue ninja. 
And Haku's beautiful to the point that when I believe it's Naruto first meets Haku, he's like, wow, who's this beautiful lady? Yes, he gushes over him. Now, the relationship between them is kind of tenuous. I don't know how to say that. They're in love. <laughs> sort of. Absolutely. Sort of. Haku is absolutely in love with Zabuza. The way that they got together is like Zabuza found Haku after Haku's father killed his mother because of a power that Haku had. And then Zabuza wanted to use Haku's powers and Haku wanted to serve Zabuza in any way he could. But in the fight with Team 7, Haku sacrifices himself and takes this like killing blow that was supposed to be Zabuza's and dies. And immediately Zabuza's like, I didn't care. I don't care for that boy. And Naruto launches into this diatribe about how much Haku loved him. And then when somebody comes up and like kicks Haku's body, Zabuza kills him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually gets lethally wounded in the process and dies as well. And then they're buried together. But when Zabuza's dying, doesn't Zabuza want to, he, he's like, bring Haku to me. And he like dies yes, looking exactly. at Haku. Yeah, like yeah. They, they loved each other. And whether or not Zabuza wanted to admit it up until his death is up for mm-hmm. debate. But yes, they were very yeah. loving. And they're certainly villains, but you are left with kind of the sympathetic view of them at the very end, which mm-hmm. is at least somewhat good, but mm-hmm. nonetheless villains who die at the end of their arc. Yes, unfortunately. And in fact, both of them die for each other. I just hate that villainization of queerness. Then we have another baddie, perhaps the biggest baddie, Orochimaru. He's a snake. He's a snake man who like snake person, snake individual, (laughs) snake snake folk, snake folk. (laughs) Who slithers around trying to get Sasuke. He kills the Hokage with his snake body. Body. (laughs) In order to get Sasuke to join him. Orochimaru is actually confirmed gender fluid in Boruto, which is Naruto Next Generation. There's a scene in which Orochimaru is explaining to his son, who asked whether or not, whether he should call him mother or father and Hiroshimaru says that's a silly question there have been times that I was a man and times a woman outside appearances don't matter oh the will to uncover the truth that's the core of my being that's really woke for I know. a snake folk who keeps dead bodies hanging around in their lair. Which again, just like, Orochimaru's like a bad person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which ties back into this like sissy villain trope, which just serves to further villainize queer identities like gender fluidity, which it's great to have that representation. It's great to have like a queer icon in a major series, but also bad. like, it's it's bad because, like, in the minds of s- young viewers, it's subconsciously planted that, like, great, these people exist, but they're bad. Right. It's There's this line of all the good guys really... Are quote-unquote normal people. Yeah, they all adhere to traditional feminine masculine stereotypes. We've got high masculine ninjas, and a lot <laughs> of the women, despite being capable ninjas, are still pushed into roles of healing even though you know Tsunade does become 
Hokage. I like Tsunade a lot. (laughs) She drinks a lot. It's great. Conservative evangelicals always want to go off about like how the liberal media, quote unquote, is all about representation of queer people on screen. But what they're not realizing is that like these negative representations are actually the thing that is like making them hate the gay people to begin with. But I think, isn't it the consensus of everybody that Orochimaru is a bit sexy? I mean, yeah. For a snake folk? He is a sexy snake folk who just slithers around. And the only good person in the whole series who is like theorized to be queer is Kakashi Sensei. Which, and that's never ever confirmed. Like, it's never fully alluded to in the same way that, you know, Haku and um, Zabuza were. And uh, going more into this idea that, you know, queer coding, villainy in Naruto, Sasuke as well has absolutely no romantic interest for, you know, 700 episodes um, <laughs> while, while he's got dumb emo brain going on. But when he does eventually come back into the fold and joins back with Naruto and becomes a good guy again, that's when he suddenly decides to pony up and marry Sakura. So there's a a hint there of like, now that he's a good guy, he's fixed and he likes women. He's fixed and likes girls. Mm, Yeah. Gross. So it's more, it's more subtextual hints of heroes are heterosexual. I have a question. I have an answer. Is it time for the game? It's always time for the game. All right. Okay, we're down to the fabulous four. We've got stinky socks versus waffle pizza. Who do you pick? Okay. Um, it's gotta be stinky socks, man. All right, here we go. All right, and our other two many leaves in a mason jar versus big steamy glass of milky mac and cheese. I have a feeling. You have a feeling? So I'll tell you why I paired um, Mason Jar and Many Leaves is because I did a spell this fall where I put a bunch of leaves in a Mason Jar, but I'm ready to let that go, Catherine, for a big Big, steamy glass of milky milky mac and cheese. Nice. Okay. All right. Would you like, would you like to know who we've said goodbye to in this round? I would love that more than anything. All in the right. World. Waffle pizza. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've said goodbye to Sasuke slash Tsunade. Not not good. It's not good. And I'm glad it's gone. Uh, I'm a little disappointed with uh, having to say goodbye to many leaves in a mason jar. You've said goodbye. You've said goodbye to Choji slash Orochimaru. Oh, man. Wonderful pairing. Oh, Wonderful. True opposites. This is like a real game of let's make a deal. One one (laughs) is like a big, friendly teddy bear. The other is a snake. (laughs) Snake folk. Cute. Oh, wow. Oh, well. And moving on, back to the show. <laughs> back to the show. Uh, so, LGBT. Why is this important? Um, why, why is, is anything important? important? Well, yes. But, like, why is it important that, like, harmful 
stereotypes are such a part of such a huge franchise because LGBT representation in media is so important for people who are LGBT growing up because oh yes (laughs) if you have positive representation as a kid you internalize positive messages about yourself instead of internalizing bad messages about yourself that you have to work through in therapy what (laughs) so let's talk about lgbt rights in japan in japan same-sex couples and households are actually ineligible for legal protections that like quote-unquote regular married couples are eligible for though there is like this symbolic partnership certificate you can get to recognize relationships as of 2015, but there is no real gay marriage. There are many political parties that will not openly support nor oppose LGBT marriage or LGBT rights as a whole in Japan because they just don't want to talk about it. But there was a law in which you could change your legal gender after a transition that was passed in 2003. So interestingly, um kind of woke for the time yeah because that was pretty long ago Mm -hmm. 17 years ago and like discrimination on the basis of sexuality and gender identity are both like banned like you can't do that in most of the cities including (laughs) tokyo so actually the vice president of stonewall japan named varun kana um, said on kyoto news that while we may have criticisms for japan and their you know lgbt laws Um, They still tend to be one of the most sexually liberated countries in the world, especially true of those in Asia, Middle East, and Africa. Interesting. Because only recently has the Japanese language begun to distinguish between sex and gender the same way that English is now starting to do, where they actually took our word for gender and just like directly moved it over to Japan. They call it gender. Gender! (laughs) (laughs) And like the way we talk about you know, LGBT issues, especially as it's coming out in America, we're really understanding this line between, you know, sexuality and gender and how they're not always connected. But what's super, super interesting is that um, a lot of artists, like almost all of them male, have begun to start speaking publicly about homosexuality. And this like, translates to a really interesting relationship between male-centered homosexuality and female-centered homosexuality. So we've talked a lot about yaoi and yuri, but what I've discovered in my research is that yaoi is such a specific type of boy love, whereas yuri is a little bit more vague. It can be any type of girl love. Mm -hmm. Because yaoi is specifically not for queer people. It's it's for women, heterosexual women. Exactly. So it's not adding to queer representation as much as people from like our country who don't quite understand would think. Where Yuri was created by lesbians in the first place. So it's quite a difference between Yaoi and Yuri. And like lesbianism is seen very differently than male homosexuality. It's still kind of seen somewhat as a phase for young girls as portrayed in Bloom Into You, which we did last week. Where that portrays a relationship between two young girls and then one of them like quote unquote grows out of it and the other one remains a lesbian and like breaks that, subverses that trope of that is young just lesbian phase. phase. Yeah. yeah, it's your lily time. And so more and more gay and trans characters are showing up 
in positive portrayals in Japanese television, but most of them are either gay men or assigned male at birth people. That almost seems like misogyny. Hmm, imagine that. Who do you like better, Kakashi Iruka or Sasu Naru? Narusasu? That's a difficult question because, like, which one has more subtext? I think that Sasu Naru does, but I like the idea of Kakashi with Iruka because it's so much more wholesome. And I just fucking hate Sasuke. Yeah, there's that also. He's a trash boy. He's so bad. He's an absolute disaster. You know who I like better? Who? Ino Sakura. Ooh, I like that too. That's probably the best ship. So speaking of ships, let's play some games. Oh, yes, the great game. This episode has a lot of games. I have another game to play that is not a the different great game. game. Yeah, um, we haven't finished the great game yet, but I wanted. Are to- you saving that for the finale? I'm gonna save that for last, but I wanted to play another game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me another yeah, game, Catherine. I don't know. Something about fighting dreamers just made me want to play a lot of games. I'm into it. Give it to me. This is going to be a version of fan fiction most foul, but it's gonna be a game show. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trolling through fanfiction.net and I went to the year 2006 and found Ooh. some fan fictions um, with some strange pairings and Ooh. I'm going to read you the title and the brief synopsis that's like a one-line synopsis and I'm going to make you guess one half of the pairing. I will say one half of it and not the other. Some of these don't even mention the pairing so We'll we'll do it on a case-by-case basis. So this first one is called Poison in My Skin Uh-oh. by Randomly Yours. The first bite is poison as we melt into a puddle of water and mud and stones. I'd rather die. <laughs> Who's that pairing? Oh, boy. <laughs> I have no wrong answers. No wrong answers. Okay. This is Haku Sasuke. No, you got it right. It's it is our classic Naruto Sasuke. So I'll give you half oh. a point. This one is called Mutual Forbiddance, Mutual Love by This Account Has Been Cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> a forbidden love. He watches her from afar, knowing full well that what he feels for her cannot be. Some destinies cannot be changed, or can they? This is a heterosexual romance that should not be. That should not be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... Oh, God. I feel sick saying it, but... uh, Kakashi Sakura. No! This is Hinata and Neji, who are cousins. <laughs> or brother I was thinking, and sister. I was I going on the age angle. All right. Next, we've got A Night in the Forest by Perilist Ichigo. Itachi wanders around the Konoha forest, only to encounter blank in the process. This encounter then leads to something unexpected. Very detailed sex, yaoi, mild language. <laughs> Who uh, did Itachi stumble upon in the forest? Um, um, Itachi Kakashi-sensei. No, <laughs> it's Orochimaru. Ew. Um, <laughs> Actually, that would be, ew. I don't want to read it, but now I'm confused. Now I want to read interested. it. Yeah. <laughs> this is another Itachi. Shattered Dreams by Venus Delta. 
the preface of Yowie Fan 01's Hitman, I suppose that's another fan fiction, a companion fic, the lives of two children after World War II and the Second Great Depression, a hitman and a prostitute, Itachi dot 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 and blank. Who is the other half of that pairing? Prostitute? Is it a gay pairing or a straight pairing? It's a gay pairing. Ooh. And it's gross. Do Naruto? No, it's Sasuke Uchiha. Atachi's little brother. Super gross. Like, (laughs) very, very gross. Very gross. Moving on. 2006 was quite the year, wasn't it? Perpetual Addict addict by Redex. Sex is a drug. The end. Who's that pairing? Sex is a drug. The end. Okay. <laughs> it's got to be classic. It's got to be. It's classic. Sakunaru. No, it is Guy and Kakashi. Ooh. It's a pretty good one. Okay. This one's called Duty Before Honor by Silver Shine. <laughs> Sakura knew why Tsunade didn't want a virgin on this mission. Things might get out of hand. Acts might be carried out too far. No. She was glad blank was accompanying her. But right then, she wouldn't have minded the entire population of Konoha. Who's that pairing? Who's with Sakura on this mission that shouldn't be done by a virgin? Oh, God. It's gross. It's gross? (laughs) It's Kakashi Sensei. It's Kakashi Sensei. Ah! Ding 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 ding. You got a point. It is Kakashi Sakura. <laughs> All right. So what's that point total? One half, one half, one half, and one. So two and a half points. Hooray! <laughs> great. Out of what seven? <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um, it's not great. <laughs> we'll have to play that one in the future. Anything else to say about Naruto before we move on? I honestly don't have anything. I don't have anything to say um, because this is usually where we stop and we go, what lesson can we learn? But we've mostly just fucked around for the entire episode playing games. I mean, here's a good lesson. Stop casting queer characters as villains so that you subconsciously change the perception of queer people to be villainous. And bad and perverse. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. There's a lesson. All right. So in an episode where we've mostly just played games instead of talking about anything, would you like to finish the great game? Let's finish the great game. And then I have to go to therapy. Um, so it's all come down to this. I'm ready. Dinky socks versus uh-huh. big steamy glass of milky mac and cheese. Who do you choose? You know? I'm sorry to see him go. He served me well. He was so reliable. But um, I'm going to have to say goodbye to Stinky Socks. Would you like to know who you've just said goodbye to? Yes, please. Thank God you said goodbye to them because that was Naruto slash Sakura. Oh, boy. Right out of there. Right out of there. All right. So that means we have a winner. And the winner is who would have thunk its big, steamy glass of milky mac and cheese. Gross. Would you like to know who is apparently the greatest ship in all of Naruto? Please. 
It is Eruka Sensei slash Guy Sensei. <laughs> Age appropriate? Mm-hmm. I like them both. The, it's just so lackluster for its name. I know. I'm so disappointed. You're but disappointed? I, no, I'm not disappointed that that's the... F- big steaming glass of milky mac and cheese one i just wish it had been something so much fun well life is disappointment anyways <laughs> you've been listening to queer pressure podcast and our critical explorations of queer media as a continued practice of self-love with katherine johnson and maddie gray hey you If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing, following, or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. It really helps us out, you guys, for people to see that somebody actually likes this podcast. So if you do, leave us a review. You can also follow us on social media. We post memes, new episode announcements, and polls each and every week. If you want to follow us, search for Queer Pressure PC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Once again, that's at Queer Pressure PC for podcast, not for porthole car. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting to Westing. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and survive the week. <laughs> and as always, fuck the police. <laughs>